We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everyone, before we get started, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or, if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our exclusive community discord and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks and on top of that we will help you get your show pushed out to apple spotify google stitcher and all other listening platforms and the best part is you can get all of this for only 15 bucks a month the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup so whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Take it from me. I work on the Hustle program. It's a very exciting program. The progress that these Hustle podcasters have made already is so, so cool and impressive and fun to watch and be a part of. So get your application in today because acceptance into the program is limited. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. You can also check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Blue Wire. NBA Most Valuable Player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Hey there, welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast and proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am Ty Windish. I am joined as always by the ubiquitous Rohan Kadi, and we're here to talk about all things Milwaukee Bucks, including Chris Middleton's all-star snub, maybe? We'll break it down. That's the second half maybe. of the podcast. That's the second half of the podcast. Start out with how the Bucks are doing lately, including... Tonight, Tuesday nights, 139-112. What a box score win over the Minnesota Timberwolves. Rohan, how's it going? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. This is the Bucks' third straight win coming off of a five-game losing streak. So 
all is well. Considering they've been beating up on some bad teams, we'll get into that. But we've been seeing some promising things from the Milwaukee, from the Milwaukee Bucks after their worst skid in a couple of years. In in their in their history as being relevant with Giannis on the team, it's their worst skid. I think that's the best way to put it. Um, so let's. What, where should we start? I feel like we like to do these pods every so often where we kind of hop around from player to player and talk about what we're seeing. You know, we're again, we're going to say we're going to shelve all things Chris for now. Uh, what did you see tonight that you liked or didn't like? Well, we should probably start with the big kahuna. Let's start with Giannis. Let's do it. Yeah, we don't do that enough. So, the back-to-back reigning MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, you know, sort of had a rough start to the season. We'll say that. Would you agree with that? Rough start I, I would agree with that. Yeah. I would. So getting used to a new offensive scheme, defensive scheme at occasion, on occasion, pardon me, and just sort of looking a little bit off. And then there's melding the new Drew Holiday edition. Drew Holiday goes out. And then the Bucks are just sort of like, you know, like I mentioned, they're just sort of sputtering around a little bit. So what does Giannis do? Giannis turns into MVP mode. You tweeted about this. I've been on this train for a while now. He is back in the MVP conversation. My goodness. Do you want me to do you want me to read a stat line from tonight, Ty? Please, uh, please the, do. It is against the Timberwolves. Let me say that. We're now seven and twenty-five. So <laughs> I, worst worst team good. in the NBA by record. Not yeah, it's not really that close. Uh while while you read the stat line, I realize I forgot to turn my podcast light on. I'm gonna mute and turn my light on. But you go ahead oh, and read the stat line. No dead air on the Eurostep. No dead air. <laughs> so, go, go, go. So in twenty nine minutes and nine seconds, Giannis put up thirty seven points, eight rebounds, eight assists, two steals, two blocks, only one foul shooting 13 of 18 from the field. That's 72.2%. Uh, 10 of 13 from the free throw line, which is around 77%. One of three from three, which is all right. It's better than a season average. Just absolutely took over this game. He saw that the Timberwolves were putting on some, you know, they were, they were throwing out some young players out there, some un, uh, not very experienced players. And he was like, I'm going to take them to school. I'm going to bully them. I'm going to demand the ball at the post. I'm going to face up on them. I'm just going to do whatever I want against these poor players because there's nothing that they can actually do. He just went into MVP mode. He was yeah. He was correct in saying that there was nothing that they could really do. It's been – and this is another thing that I tweeted during the game that I just – it kind of hit me today. Like, I – I don't know if Giannis has been that much better than he was in like his best runs in the last two seasons. I mean, clearly he was, you know, he's reigning back-to-back MVP. But I think the slow start, or not even like start, I think it was kind of just a rough patch early, not necessarily the very beginning of the year. But we all know he wasn't playing to his usual standards for a while there. The Bucks stock market price very much reflects this. Um, now seeing him back at or maybe even past that level, after the early bump in the road, it's like all the more sweeter, right? Like I felt like I had a whole new appreciation for Giannis. And I was kind of thinking recently about like, again, this idea is like, is he really that much better than he's been in in past seasons? Not like he has to be to appreciate how great he is, but I think that bump in the road really makes this feel like all the more savory. Maybe it's the fact that it hit like 46 degrees by me today. The sun is literally shining and it was figuratively shining on me as I watched Giannis play. It's, 
again, it's like the people who say, what's the point of regular season games? This. This is the point of regular season games with Giannis. Enjoy them. Enjoy this greatness. We gotta get, now that we we can't push for All Star anymore because that's done. Now we got to push for Giannis to get back in the MVP combo, even if I don't think he should be number one right now. I mean, yeah, that's fair. Uh, Embiid, Jokic, LeBron—they've all established themselves as upper tier candidates. Yeah, that's that's not an argument that I'm going to make right now. I'm not saying that he should be at the top of the race, but he's you know he's working his way in there. Get, get him is, around Dame and Steph in the combo. Yeah. This is what was my, this is my Wes Matthews thing. Although we get one vote, one just get him a vote. He doesn't have to make it. Just a vote. He doesn't even have to make. <laughs> I forgot about the Wes Matthews thing. He doesn't have same. to make all defense. He just has to be a running. I I just you know LeBron thinks the same way. LeBron was mad he didn't get any votes. Not that he didn't win. So LeBron and I, great minds. You heard it here first. There you go. So do you think uh, Devin Booker is the most disrespected player in the league? No. Yeah, I guess. It's Tony Snow. Oh, yeah, there we go. Shout-out Snow season. 56% uh, from three this season, baby. Yeah, three-point contest is going to be in Atlanta, you know. He plays for the Hawks, you know. He should be. If Tony Snow wins the three-point contest, I will be ecstatic if he's invited. I, I, I can't imagine him. He might just not shoot all of the passes. That's true. That's he might true. Just, he might try he might to find pass like a somewhat, teammate. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I, I could see, you know, J.J. Reddick turns it into a long two contest. Like, Tony Snell is going to go, like, four for six from the three-point contest, even though it's 25 balls. One of the rebounders might slip on a ball and just fall down. And he'll <laughs> Tony's got to run over and help him Run over and help him uh, I miss you, Tony Still, Come back, please. He'd be um, a great ninth guy on this team. He really would. He really would. But getting back to Giannis and the MVP conversation, I guess, he shouldn't really be in it, like, in terms of, like, the top, like I mentioned. Being, he's, he's, he'll, he'll come eventually, you know? It's, it's not even, like, halfway through the season yet. But is this more of Giannis beating up on lesser opponents like the Timberwolves? Should we say that? Or are you seeing something else that's sort of Giannis elevating his game? I think he's been doing this to everyone for a little while now. And, I mean, I think the games were just so ugly that it wasn't something to, like, focus on and take joy in. But, you know, I guess the Raptors did a good job on him in Game 2. In Game 1 against them, though, he puts up 34. In the Phoenix loss, he puts up 47 you know, 29, 15, and 6 against Utah. He's had a ton of assists lately, too. I mean, this game, or excuse me, I forget that basketball reference doesn't have updated numbers right away. Um, the Sacramento game, he only had four assists, which was the lowest he he's had. He had eight assists. In eight assists in the in yep. Tuesday's game. Okay. So, yeah, going back the last few weeks, after a zero-assist game, the awesome Denver win. So, starting with the losing streak, 5, 6, 10, 8, 8, 8, 4, 8. So he hasn't just been scoring a ton. He's also been taking that ball handling responsibility like we talked about on the Stock Market Pod. Go listen to that if you haven't already. There's more than just stock games in there. We, there's some real analysis tucked in as well, um, plus just us sweating over our terrible investments. But I, I think he's leveling up his game. I mean, it's not quite as dominant as I remember looking back, like the 23 and the 24. I kind of remembered him having closer to 30 in every game, but a 23-point game on 40% shooting, and really it's because he took four threes and missed all of them, being the low game in a stretch. Like, 
it's not a terrible low game, right? Like still getting 23 points and adding double-digit rebounds in all of those games. I think he's just kind of gotten comfortable again, and I think really he's felt the need to step up more individually in the absence of Drew Holiday, and he's just doing it. Uh, but I don't know if it's going to stop just because Drew comes back. Yeah, I don't think it should stop just because no. Drew's coming back. It's more of a it's more of a partnership than sort of one person taking this deed because this is the entire the entire point of Drew Holiday coming to this team was not to take over the ball handling duties. It's to have another outlet. It's to have someone else who can handle the ball. So when Giannis is uh, meeting the barrier. And when I'm not going to say it, <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and when Chris is sort of, you know, getting double teamed or in his own head or whatever, we'll we'll talk about it. Uh, it's just someone else who can actually do things in an elite manner on a basketball court. <laughs> uh, so that's what Drew Holiday is supposed to be. He's not supposed to take away from Giannis. He's supposed to complement Giannis. So when Drew comes back, I think we'll see that fully, fully. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Optimized? Yes, optimized. Yeah, Fully optimized. Thank you. Yeah, I think, you know, that the the issue with kind of part of the Bucks' philosophy in, in the Bud era, the whole let it fly thing, is like I don't think we see enough of Giannis as a focal point. And even in this game, I mean, it, it's a little skewed because he took a ton of free throws, basically literally more than double the rest of the team combined. Giannis attempted 13. The Bucks, rest of the Bucks attempted five. He made 10 of 13, by the way. We're not drawing any conclusions for that. We're not jinxing it. Just mentioning a stat. That's all, folks. Um, so he did have more shooting possessions by quite a lot than anybody else. But, like, Chris has 19 shots. Brooke Lopez with 11 shots. Bobby Portis with 11 shots. Bryn Forbes with 13 shots. Um, and Dante with 10 shots. Well, although, you know, most of the players were making a lot of their shots in this game. So it doesn't feel as bad. But I wouldn't hate to see even more Giannis control the offense. Although, again... 18 shots, 13 attempted free throws, and 8 assists. He at least had the ball in his hands a lot. It's not awful, but I think I think part of that is just a product of Giannis being a little bit more selfish, but not in a bad way. I, I think part of this streak we've kind of seen some – there'll be long stretches of games where Giannis is like, I'm just going to hijack this game, and he should, and I think it's made the Bucks better. Although, again, they had the five-game losing streak. I don't think Giannis trying to take more control – led to losses. I, I think it kept them in the Phoenix game, definitely, um, and probably made them more competitive than they would have been in some of these other games. I, I think there may be a little bit of a realization, as relaxed as his comments after games have been, that this is this is my thing. Nobody else is truly on my level. Just like earlier in the season, it was like, oh, Chris is playing as well as Giannis. No one's saying that recently uh, for, for two different reasons. But I, I think Giannis is kind of stepping into the alpha that he needs to be for this team to reach its ceiling. You mentioned that he's not really being super selfish, but he's being uh, more like more assertive. selfish. I should. Yeah, 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 yeah. Assert. He's doing it in the same sort of manner that he was doing it before, but he's doing it smarter. You know what we haven't seen in a long-ass time? Giannis at the top of the key attacking. When's the last time we saw that? It's been it's been a little while. It feels like he's starting his drives closer to the rim lately. You know what we we have seen a lot? Giannis catching the ball at the elbow, posting up or facing up. Yep. We've seen that a lot. And we saw that a lot in this game against the Timberwolves, and that's just the epitome of this certain trend that we've been seeing recently. 
it's Giannis getting the ball in positions where he can actually do stuff against a defense that isn't loaded against him. Because when he's attacking at the top of the key, we've talked about this at nauseum. There, the opposing defense can have their premier defensive set when it's just Giannis at the top of the key. They can engage all five of their defenders against him. They can form Not the barrier. Great. Yeah, that form that barrier. That doesn't work when you're facing up on the baseline or on the block or just posting up. That doesn't work. But so now we're just sort of seeing that more and more often, and we're seeing Giannis get more and more points, more and more and more assists, even though teams have apparently figured out how to defend Giannis. Well, he's adjusted. He has adjusted. Bud has adjusted. Giannis has adjusted. The entire team has adjusted against it, and we're seeing that now. Hopefully this means that this is something that Giannis is kind of coming to grips with long-term. He's a big man. I, I don't think Giannis is a perimeter player. He has those skills, but I think the ultimate kind of, uh, I don't want to say rendition because he's not a musical act, but like the, the ultimate manifestation of, of Giannis, the best, the best position to, to unleash Giannis, I don't think is as point Giannis. I think it is as maybe point center Giannis, but the key word is center there. It's like, Shaq. It's Shaq or even Jokic in a way. Like Jokic still, I think, starts the ball on the perimeter a little bit more. But like the when I think Jokic, the the possession I think of is like he's getting the ball in the elbow. There's little guards like in his case Jamal Murray, in the Bucks case like Brent Forbes or Drew Holiday or even Chris Middleton orbiting him on these DHOs. He's running some pick and rolls where both sides are skilled ball handlers, so it's just really really hard to defend. And plus. Same with Giannis. If if you let Jokic get to the rim, it's it's two points plus. Like there's nothing you can do about him there. Like I I think that Shaq is obviously and it's never bad to be Shaq, but I think the extra playmaking is the differentiator. I, I Shaq could pass whatever, um, but I think just if you want to initiate offense, initiate it from there. Don't initiate it. You know you're not Steph. You're not Dame. Like I don't want the ball in Giannis's hands thirty feet from the hoop. Although I did kind of like the game-winning shot attempt, um, that's a little different. But uh, in a typical possession, I don't want Giannis bringing up the ball and pounding the air out of it and taking 45 seconds to debate if he's going to take a three or not, as he loves to do. Um, I, I think getting him in the elbow more, he doesn't have to just try to score from there or post up, but I think I agree with you. I think that's what we've been seeing, and I think it's been very, very positive for Giannis. Yeah, uh Getting back to my Shaq comparison, I do agree with you that it's a lot more Jokic, but I think it's like, I'm not going to say a combination of Shaq and Jokic because that's just the greatest player of all time. (laughs) Uh, But in terms of like, you're taking some of the skill sets from Jokic and some of the skill sets from Shaq, you're not peak Shaq. You're not like peak Jokic in terms of playmaking. It's just those sort of skill sets combined. I'll say that. I, I think he's closer to Shaq probably ability-wise, but I'd like to see him used more like Jokic. I think the role is more Jokic-ish. Because, yeah. like, Shaq got the ball in the post, and Shaq was, like, going to body somebody and dunk on him. And if Giannis tried to do that every time, he'd fall out in two quarters because NBA refs are pathetic. They're an Example. They're example of horrible technical against the Timberwolves for – and, I mean, listen, it's, you won't find anyone more sympathetic to Carl Anthony Towns than I am. But I don't think that means you have to give out a technical to anybody who dunks on the guy. And I love, I love that Giannis specifically tested that same ref when he dunked on Towns like a minute later and screamed at him, just like daring him, like I know you won't eject me. Eject me. And he Just didn't. do it. 
<laughs> that was a power play. That was like something off of billions. Like that was beautiful. That's like that's the that's the ref knowing that the texts are gonna get rescinded yep. <laughs> the following day. Yep. And it's just you don't want to be that guy that's ejecting Giannis for something that's going to get rescinded. So yeah. That's I agree. Ultimate power play. More power to you, Giannis. Giannis to I'm not gonna say it. I was gonna quote someone that I don't want to quote. Oh um, okay. And I, I, I like he diffused the situation. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, just he, he's got an edge to him. Speaking of someone who's got an edge to him, let's talk about his older brother, Tenasis Tenasty. <laughs> Have we, we recorded go. since Tenasty was a nickname? Was that a thing at the stock market pod? No, I don't think it was. I Tenasty. think it happened that day. It happened on Tenasty Sunday. Tenasty Atetokounmpo back in the rotation. You know, this, is, this is the way I felt about it during this game. It would be a lot easier to be upset about Tenasty minutes if he didn't keep playing so well in them. And I do think, and I know we've broached the Tenasty's topic before, and I think we always come away sort of between he does enough good things, hard enough that it's okay, and we should really be seeing Torrey Craig instead, and I think that's totally a fair take to have. However, just looking at specifically by itself the Tenasty's experience lately, I'm pretty good. Yeah, what is there really to complain about? Honestly. Here's the stat line tonight. Plus 14 and 19 minutes. And the Bucks bench at times has been like a huge negative where just not enough is happening. We have to talk about a starting lineup change a lot more too in this podcast. But in 19 Tenasis minutes, they win them by 14. He scores six points on three for four shooting. Probably his worst part, he missed two free throws. Whatever, sure. It's, he could have made one. He's in a Tetacumpo. Yeah, exactly. He would have been plus 15 instead with, with seven points. I don't care that much. He's not going to take 10 free throws in a game probably ever. If the other team is hacking Tenasis, the game must just be so far out of hand that I, I just can't get worked up about it. Um, eight rebounds, four offensive rebounds. So, like, I think it's easy. I think rebounds are one of those overlooked stats. Four offensive rebounds is like four extra possessions. Like, that's a meaningful stat, in my opinion. And he's usually not, like, tipping in. Like, sometimes Bobby Portis will pick up two on one possession. But it was just, Call like... Call that the Ursan. Him, yeah, the Ursan. Just him doing this over and over. Um, Tenacious, like, grifts and grinds out offensive rebounds. And he almost always kicks them out. I really appreciate that about Tenacious. But eight rebounds... Yeah, he, he never really sort of gets... Like the, oh, I got the rebound, it's my possession sort of thing. No, he, he never he does. He gets it, he takes it out to the perimeter, and he finds Chris Middleton. That's his guy. He, if he's out there with Chris Middleton, he is passing that freaking Or Sam Merrill. Lead. Or Sam Merrill. Sam Merrill. A lot of chemistry there, too. Um, two assists, one steal, zero blocks, one turnover, one foul. Uh, I think it was a travel was his turnover in 19 One minutes. foul for the asses. That's, that's good. That's, that's insanely – it's an insane uh, uh, turnaround for him. It's just like he's he's just hustle and hype and energy, and that's why he first got the run. The Bucks were so lethargic. Is it the second Raptors game that I think Bud was just like, let's try and inject something, like let's get the most hype person on the roster, and it worked. And I think it's kind of carried over. And the Giannis Tenasis minutes are a lot of fun. We haven't really seen that at all in Tenasis's tenure. As a Milwaukee. No, yeah, he would always come in for Giannis, except for the random Denver game on Greek night. Yeah, we just we haven't seen any of Giannis and Thanasis sharing the court at all. But we are seeing that now. We've seen that the last two games, I believe. Two yeah. games. I don't think we really saw it against uh, Toronto, but we saw it against OKC. We saw it against uh, 
maybe not at OKC. We saw it against Sacramento, pardon me, and now the Timberwolves. But we're seeing those two together, and you can tell that Giannis really wants to get him the ball. Yeah. Every single possession he's looking for him. Every single, hey, he's he's still a brother out there. He's still a younger brother out there. Chris oh, yeah. Webber, he is not the older brother. <laughs> I can't believe people keep making that mistake. I mean, it's this, just Chris Webber. Uh, okay, fair, fair. <laughs> no one's corrected him at all. This wasn't even a TNT Do, game. Doesn't he call with Marv usually? Yeah, yeah. Marv doesn't know, man. Marv has no idea. But like someone. Like, oh yeah, the producer should know, but I don't expect Mar- Marv probably doesn't know who Tanasis Orianis is. Bro, Marv doesn't know where he is. <laughs> not that. That's yeah. Let's. Yeah, let's move on before uh yeah. Um I I it's again, like do I think it's a little stupid? Probably. Is it is it stupid? I don't, I don't okay, know. I'm going to I'm going to fight you on that one. Okay. I don't believe it's stupid because they're getting good minutes out of him and they don't have another guy on the roster who does the things that he sort of does. They don't have someone who's going to come out there and griff for offensive rebounds. They don't have someone that has an edge to him like you transitioned with. They just don't have anyone like that who's going to give you that fire. Who else is going to come out there and get hyped for you? Like Giannis, Pat Giannis, Connaughton? Yes, but not enough. Um, and he doesn't make that, that impact to Nostos in the offensive We've seen – it's like I sound like an old guy right now, but we see the intangibles of sort of what happens to the team when Thanasis is out there. Like they, they do get energized. We've been like saying, oh, they sort of need an energy guy. He's an energy guy, and he's not actually being a net negative on the court anymore. The Giannis Tenastis minutes, 15 minutes according to NBA stats, net rating of plus 30, Ooh. offensive rating of 115.6, defensive rating of 85. I, I, if it keeps working, they're going to have to do it forever. That's just That's just how things work. I don't have that big of a problem with it. The argument for it being stupid, and not saying I necessarily buy this, but the popular one is, you know, is Tanasis going to help in the playoffs? Like, they should be optimizing Torrey Craig, who theoretically is, is a more helpful player. I I see the vision, but on the other hand, I think especially right now where the Bucks have been at with, like, again, the worst run of the Budenholzer tenure, if you're going to put in Tanasis and he's going to add real energy and make a positive impact, something that Torrey Craig, I mean, again, has been better on offense but worse on defense than I think myself and a lot of people expected. Um, and certainly I, I just think doesn't impact the team the way Tenastis has, which is like injecting that that vigor that was missing. Um, you know, am I saying that Tenastis should play every game and Torrey Craig should never play again? No. But especially given the circumstances, I do kind of see the vision of like we finally started to get motivated with Tenastis and turn things around. Let's keep playing him and and listen. Oh, I I teased this earlier. I think in the Discord, I have a comp that's gonna blow your mind for Tenasis. Okay, let me hear it. He's not the only player who played a little bit, then was out of the league, then came back, didn't play much, and suddenly became. Well, he hasn't done this yet. But if he were to suddenly become a productive role player in his late twenties, after an earlier NBA cup of coffee and then time in other leagues, he wouldn't I be know. the first. Yep. There's a blueprint here. Does he play for the Clippers? No. No. He plays for the Rockets. P.J. Tucker 2.0, baby. Denasis okay. Antetokounmpo. We don't need P.J. Tucker. We have the next one. I really don't think we need P.J. Tucker. We'll have to do a trade target thing later. Um, but there, it's, you know, people say you know he's never shown anything, blah, blah, blah. Denasis is showing something right now. Whatever it is, he's showing something. 
it's not unprecedented for a player to bounce around for a bit, develop some skill sets, and then get in. And I know there's going to be people who are always jaded and always writing him off because obviously we all know why he got the opportunity in the first place. I'm not ignoring that. What do you mean? <laughs> he had a lot of wingspan. And <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> that used to be the Bucks thing. Um, no, but I'm not going to also – I'm not going to automatically write off the the possibility – of Tanasis being a good role player. And that's what he's been over the last few games. I think if you're going to call the negatives and, you know, some of the bonkers turnovers games he had earlier in the season, I think it's worthwhile to point out that, hey, he's been actually helping the team considerably in these last few games. I legitimately thought you were going to go Pat Bev. No. Because you, you, descri- you did describe I did Pat describe Pat Bev, too. See, that's another blueprint. Yeah. I also saw I saw on Twitter someone was saying he's Dennis Rodman 2.0. I think it was Square Sense on Twitter. Uh, listen, there's a lot of comps out there. Dennis Rodman came to the NBA late, right? Wasn't he working a day job and he got recruited to be so. an NBA player? I believe so. It's now now look what happened. <laughs> uh, now he's uh, making a sandwich for the CEO. Of <laughs> the fist. <laughs> Do you, do you know what I'm talking no, about? No, I have no idea said, what this he, is. He said, like, he's CEO of racism. I made you a sandwich. Oh. He left his hand in between two slices of bread. <laughs> That's <laughs> unbelievable. The C- I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to speculate on who the CEO of racism might be. I know it's no one, but I'm not going um, <laughs> to. Let's not yeah. get in trouble. But, yeah, Thedasis could be – he could be really good. I do like the P.J. Tucker comparison. I do like that. Could he be the next P.J. Tucker? Potentially. He really could be. He he has okay. I'll let me let me go into this. He has evidence of being a good small like a small five. There is evidence of that. It's the one thing that really is going to make it impossible. Well, if he stops turning the ball over and falling the crap out of everyone, that would help too. But the three point shooting twenty eight twenty eight percent this year. I think that's going to be that's the real thing. That's why it's not an one hundred percent real comp. But I just I, I do think there's some merit to the idea. Here's the realistic take couched in the, the hot Twitter take. Like, he might be a real useful NBA role player. And it you shouldn't say there's no chance of that because he wasn't good with the Knicks five years ago or whatever. And he wasn't good in the two seconds he played last season. Like, it's, it's not a certainty just because someone hasn't been in the NBA for most of their playing career or playing actual minutes that they're not good. Sometimes they just don't play for a variety of reasons. Um, and I think P.J. Tucker, Pat Bev, other guys are pretty good examples of that. No, they really are. They're, you can't write someone off at all because we just saw, we'll get into this, like Julius Randle, he's an all-star this year. His breakout season is in year seven. Yep. Like Chris given Middleton. he's still young. Yeah. Still, like he's still young given that. But year seven is his breakout. He's talked about that a lot. Bobby Portis. It takes time. Yeah, Bobby Portis, exactly. These sort of players. It doesn't pop right away for everyone. It really doesn't especially in a league like the NBA, it doesn't pop. It's just there's such a premium on young talent in this league that people sort of forget that, you know, people can develop later. Everyone has different trajectories. People learn. People experience things. They have different training regimens. They uh, realize they have skills that they didn't think they had. They work at their skills. Things happen. People develop late. This could be another example of that. Can I interest you in Noah Vonley, Amon Shumpert, or Andre Roberson? 
interest interests me for what? Uh, the Nets just waived all three of them before their Did they really? contracts. They're going to re-sign Shumpert and Roberson to 10 days. They're trying to keep tax flexibility. Their contracts were going to guarantee, I think, tomorrow. Oh, okay. so only oh, one of the the only one available is Vonley, who I'm not very interested in. Um, I I would have more interest in um, oh my goodness, the G League big man they brought in. I think they waived him too. I actually think he can play. Um, he used to be in the Sixers system. I can't remember his name. It doesn't matter. Um, I mean, sorry, sorry, fella, it matters, but it doesn't matter that much to this particular podcast. Who should we talk about next? Uh, again, I want to save the Chris thing. Um, who else? Who else merit? Should we do the the lineup change? I feel like that yeah, includes like four players. Yeah, of course we can go to that. So uh, break it down. Let's hear it. So we got DJ Augustine inserted into the starting lineup here, right? Uh, I freaked lineup. out when I read this on Twitter. I missed that game, but I was like, Bud is trying to get out of here. Really? Why did you think that? Because DJ Augustine had shot like one for two billion on twos for the month before that. Uh, and refused to shoot open threes, and his playmaking wasn't panning out. And I just think, like, if there was any move to make replacing Bryn Forbes, who has been up and down as as shooters tend to be. I mean, you're not going to make you know 50% every game. Um, but replacing him and keeping Dante, who also wasn't having the best run ever at that time, um, pairing him and DJ Augustine in the back, in the backcourt to me felt like a disaster. But the first time ever an NBA coach knew more than Twitter. It's not really the first time ever, but that is what happened. Okay, take it away. Go ahead. Go ahead. I will say when I saw that news, I was actually thinking, you know what? This is actually this this might actually work out here. Maybe I'm being too much of an optimist, maybe I'm being too much of a homer here. But I was thinking one change is good. It, Change is good to see. It's good to see change, especially from a coach like Mike Budenholzer, who's still on the team. Uh, but, yeah, uh, that ship has sailed, honestly. Yeah. If you guys are expecting him to be fired midseason, no. It, that's, not, I, that's not going to happen. It'll the, take like a 20-game losing streak, and that's not. there's, there's no chance of that happening. If they lost out through All-Star, I think so, which is like a ridiculous ask considering Giannis is on the team. Um, yeah. But the three-game win streak, I do think. I, I, I think we're stuck with him for another another run. Yeah, we really are. But what I was saying, there's change, change is good, first of all. That's why I got a little bit excited. And then second, you're getting more ball handling into the lineup. I talked about this on a stock market episode a little bit. Again, check that out if you haven't. Uh, but just giving Chris and Giannis an outlet – it's like what I was talking about with Drew Holiday. You want a, a third ball handler or someone else to take a little bit of the offensive load when uh, Giannis is sort of frazzled by defense and when Chris is being doubled, when they're focusing their entire team on two players, when they're putting five players on two players. You need someone else to be able to do something, create a little bit. So that's where DJ Augustine comes in. He may not be an elite point guard anymore, not that he ever was. I don't know why I said elite, but <laughs> a serviceable starting slash backup point guard, if he's that, sure. I, would you, yeah, it's it's a teetering ship. I'll say that, um, but he's still a capable point guard. I will say that, and he's at least able to you know create some semblance of offense on his own, and that's all 
Milwaukee needed, it turns out. So that's why I was I was happy with the starting lineup change, and it worked out. It did work out. It has been. Yeah, he had one bad shooting game against the Kings. He was two for ten, but he was still. I, I gave him the down stock, and I got a little pushback. He was pretty effective. Listen, the guy shot twenty percent. There's only so much you can do and shoot twenty percent. It's not like he had fifteen assists or something. But I do think he's just looked better generally. I think you know he's played better. He has taken some more shots. I don't know if maybe the starting nod has emboldened him or made him feel a little bit more comfortable, but it feels like he's finally pulling some of these against the Wolves. He was four for six from the field, two for four from deep, five assists, no turnovers, one steal, two rebounds. He's not obviously going to be the long-term starting point guard. I don't see the vision in starting him with Drew Holiday, but I think even just having him on the bench with Drew out there um, more when he does return. And it seems like we're getting closer. He's with the team now. I think he's still out according to protocol. He started individual workouts. Yeah. So, so he's we, ramping up his conditioning. We might not see him before the break, which... I doubt it. I doubt it. I would be okay with. I mean, like, not, let's not rush anyone back this season of all seasons. It's four games left now for the Bucks before the very short All-Star break. Give Drew two weeks off or whatever. Let's get him really up to speed. I mean, if he's ready, ready on the last game, sure. Just don't play him heavy minutes. But um, I think it would be if we if we feel good about getting him back, you know, back up to speed for the first game back. I'm fine with that. If it's four more games, we can make it. Now that we've won three straight, it's a lot. And I shouldn't say we, but now that the Bucks have won three straight, that's a pet peeve of mine. I hate that I did that. Um, but yeah, it's. I think the reason it works is. Although he kind of played more like it again tonight. This kind of takes some of the ball handling out of Dante DiVincenzo's hands, where whereas he was more of a point guard, or at least playing as one with Bryn Forbes. Because Bryn Forbes clearly not a point guard. It's shooting guard through and through. The guy's going to shoot. That's what he is. That's what he does. So I think that is kind of part of the reason it's been working. I think Bryn Forbes is, is great at coming off of the bench and just sneaking almost into the game and, and hitting three threes before the other team knows he's out there. But, yeah, I think this is something that we said about DJ Augustine before this move, right? Like, he needs more competent players on offense out there to make him look better. We've seen that. It, it works for him. He can't do it by himself, but when he's out there with Giannis, Chris, and the way he played tonight, Dante DiVincenzo, I think it makes him look a lot better and, and more controlled. And that's the kind of point guard he is. Like, I don't think he's passing guys open, but I think, like, he'll get... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. A player into like a good look where they have an advantage, but it's not like he's not throwing 10 oops a game, right? And just like getting guys open due to his gravity alone or anything like that. 
Yeah, that's <laughs> that's not really what what happened on this team. Do you want to transition into someone you were sort of transitioning into? Dante? Yes. I'm so conflicted about Dante DiVincenzo. Like, Tell me why, Ty. I just – so I, I bought his early season shooting all the way. I was all the way in on it, and it really fell apart for like 10 games or whatever it was. And I'm just hesitant now because it, his shot selection – it's hard to say it's bad when he's hitting the shots. Five for ten from the field, three for six from deep in this game. Five rebounds, five assists, two turnovers, but still plus ten. Good, good game for Dante DiVincenzo. But I don't think it's good. Like I don't think he's really like some of the sure like open threes. Absolutely, you know sometimes he has to create, sometimes he has to get to the rim. Don't have a problem with those things. It's a lot of pull up twos still, and some of the threes like he looked off a wide open DJ Augustine at one point in the corner to take, like, a step-back, semi-contested, off-the-dribble three, and I was just that like... That was the ultimate heat check. He made it, the shot. It, it <laughs> went in, so I couldn't even, like... You can't even tweet about it, because everyone's going to rightfully call you a nerd. But it's it's not a good shot. I know I'm going full Paul George. It's not a good shot, and I'm just worried... Who was on the court at the time? Was it Bobby Portis, who was given the DHO to, uh, I to Dante? I think so. Because he, like, motioned to DJ Augustine. <laughs> It's not just us who no, are thinking this. It's the players on the court themselves who are like, hey, maybe you should have passed that guy to the open shooter. Wide <laughs> open. And it's like, I think he saw him. I think he just wanted to shoot it. And that's my concern. He had like, two opportunities. You know, here's my comp for Dante pass. DiVincenzo. Yeah. Here's my comp for Dante. For good Dante. Like a game like tonight. And very early in the season. Although early in the season, he felt more like a catch-and-shoot guy. It's more late. Clay Thompson. Like. No. MVP a year, Carson Wentz. <laughs> MVP year Carson Wentz. I've been listening to a lot of football pods lately. I don't know why. MVP year Carson Wentz, right? He was gonna be. He was maybe gonna win it before he got hurt. But the things he did to do that were very unsustainable. Like his, I think red zone. I know third down completions, like off the charts. Like not even good numbers. Like unobtainable numbers. He just got hot and wrote it for twelve games or whatever. And now, like even when he's healthy now. He's just not that guy anymore. He just doesn't. He's not that. It's it's just it's a bit of a false bill of goods. That's me with some of these Dante shots. I just I cannot buy into the fact that some of this stuff is sustainable. And I think if he gets in the habit of shooting these, it's like the um, the uh, uh, Pat Ewing meme, right? Like that shouldn't be his shot. Step back one legged. <laughs> that shouldn't. Can be you his even shot. practice that shot? But I, he clearly what? is practicing that shot. I'm just, I'm concerned about the sustainability. That's it. It's super fun to watch a game like this, but then I, I just worry we're going to get more two for ten games where he's like doing these ridiculous shots and Chris Middleton and Giannis and everyone else are just chilling there like it's wide open if you, you wanted to find me. Yeah, I think it's it's just a shot selection issue. Yeah, that, that's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah, it's I, it's decision making. I'll say that. I, I don't even know if I want to say that because he's shown that he's a capable decision maker on the defensive end, more than capable de- uh, decision maker on defense, like elite yeah. <laughs> in terms of the, that skill set. Just like offensively, like just what are you what are you doing, my guy? I I think he has bite off more than you can chew tendencies, like the the missed steal gamble. One time, a, a rare defensive mistake, or not rare, but a rare a defensive mistake for him, he goes, he gambles hard for a steal that would have been like a fast break dunk, and he misses, and it's an open three. I think that gave the Timberwolves a, a lead very, very early in the game. 
Um, and sometimes he gets backdoor cut, kind of falling asleep. And that's not, that's kind of different. But I think there's a little bit of that, right? That, like that young hubris of like thinking that, you know, I'm, I'm, I should be the all-star. Forget Chris. That, that should be me out there the way I'm playing. I'm not I'm saying that. I'm Bogdan. <laughs> that's, that, that's a much, that's a much better. A much better comp than the one. Than the, no, that's what he was saying. That, like, it, yeah. Twitter likes and everything. Like, there's evidence. It's, it doesn't last there for Out long. Out of your you, there. I didn't forget. <laughs> no one forgets. Uh, yeah, I was also, I was not expecting that reference. Uh, the MVP Carson or Carson Wentz. Yeah. Not expecting that. That completely threw me off. <laughs> I'm, I'm changing the game, man. One one crazy reference at a time. None of it makes sense the way it should be. No, it does make sense. What do you say? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. I'm, not a, I'm not like a massive football guy, but I do get that. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just a decision, offensive decision-making with Dante. And it's just – it's weird because we know he can be – if he takes the right shots, we know he's more than capable of being like – an elite role player on this team, or maybe even like a dynamic player on this team. It's just, he needs to iron this out. And he's, I I don't want to say running out of time to figure that out because we just went on a tangent about, not a tangent, but like about how it takes like time for players to develop in this league. Yeah. So I don't want to say he's running out of time, but he's running out of time in Milwaukee to do that. It's not even like developing though. Like I think his skills now are good. It's just, I think it's just he needs to be a vet, right? Like, I think if he's in his sixth year in the league, he's probably playing a lot differently than he is right now. Or maybe not. I mean, to some guy, I mean, Swaggy P does exist. Not that he's I think Dante's believe. better. I think Dante's better. Um, but I don't know. I, I just think I, I hope it's not a permanent thing because I do think there's some decision-making issues that, that could look really bad in, in really big moments when, like, I think he usually finds Giannis, especially in transition, but we've seen him look off Chris, DJ Augustine, and prob- and I think Brent Forbes too, just a few too many times for my liking. Yeah, that's fair. It's it's really a matter of, like you were alluding to, when it comes down to like playoff moments, are you going to yeah. be making these mistakes? Yeah. Is that going to be the thing? How how often are you going to be making these mistakes? Is he going to be because on the every, floor? Every, yeah, that's a good point too. This is his sort of tryout period because, you know uh, – Everyone makes mistakes uh, during the finals. Everybody has those Every, days. Pl- any playoff series whatsoever. Every single player on the floor makes mistakes. It's just how often does it occur? Yeah. And if it's occurring more often than not for Dante, like you were, like you're saying, he might not be on the floor. Yeah, it, it's going to be something to watch. Might be the nastiest. The nastiest game seven of the finals. Can you imagine? Can I, you? I need imagine? it. I think I actually need it. I think I might have a heart attack. I mean, I'm probably going to have a heart attack anyway if it's Game 7 in the finals that the Bucks are playing. But I won't be able to contain myself if Tenasa sees a single, even if it's garbage time, a single minute in the NBA Finals. Just I'm, like preemptively send an ambulance to my place. I'm owning that top shot. I am owning <laughs> oh, that top shot. Oh, boy. Are you in the drop right now? No, is there one happening? I never, yeah. I don't even try. I don't even try. It's 21 minutes. You log in for the drop and it goes, congratulations, we crashed. You didn't get a pack. That's what no, happens. I'm in the waiting room right now. Okay. Well, that, I'll take you. Good to know you're distracted on the pod waiting hey, for the no, drop. Yeah. It's in a different tab. Time. Okay. <laughs> okay. Regardless, um, let's bounce around to some quick, quick shots before we get to the Chris, the main event. Brooke Lopez, pretty good game. Yeah, sure. Still slow. He's still slow, but I almost feel like he's learning to live with his his icebergness. Yeah, he's he's becoming self-aware. 
Yeah, exactly. Which is honestly, that's good because yep. it means that he's not going to pretend that he's someone else or is like a, that he's not a shell of his former self, which is painful to say. It's so yeah. painful to say that. But we're at that point. Someone uh, on Twitter was talking about this. Just the pamphlets. It was, I think it was at Yana stands. Was like, yeah, Ty, you've got the pamphlets. Yeah, you're part you of read the, the pamphlets. Yeah, yep. I did read the pamphlets. But six for eleven, two for five from deep, five rebounds, one steal, two turnovers. Still too many. Still not the best. Speaking of decision making, Brook Lopez also not the best decision maker. Some of the shots he's taken. I think he was better tonight, but some of the shots he takes this season. Also like, defensively, like there was one play where it was. Uh, so they ran a pick and pop, and he was sort of in no man's land and tried to go yeah. for a double and a steal on Cat, which led to like a yeah. wide open three. It's like if you're already dropping on the pop, like at least recover a little bit instead yeah. of just full on doubling. Like what, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And he was relying on DJ Augustine to come and recover on his part, which isn't his even close to his guy. So that that was a, that was a miscue. That's the the level the bar the bar is so low now that it's like. I've said this before, I know, but, like, a good offensive game is now a good Brook Lopez game. It's not going to be, like, four blocks and two or three threes like we saw in years past. It's a 6 of 11 shooting night where he doesn't get completely toasted on the other end. It's not It's not good on defense. It's not – every time I see a tweet – Every We have him already. Every time I see a tweet about, you know, you can't play Bobby Portis because of the defensive concerns, I'm like, what what – Starting center, are you watching that? That, that what? It's it's the sa- It's at least the same amount of concerns. At worst, it's the same amount of concerns because Lopez is just not adding. I don't want to say anything, but I'm to the point of really believing, like basically nothing, on on defense. It's just not helpful. Like he's not deterring anybody from scoring in the paint, even when he's there. And it's just like, it's, it's a problem. It's a problem. But it, at least tonight was fun. We'll always have yeah. February 23 against the Wolves. Where he went two of five from deep. <laughs> Legendary night. Oh, that just made me so sad. I know. Okay. Is it, uh, do we have anything else to bounce around? You got to talk about Brent Forbes a little bit. Oh, yeah, of course. After He's that. just an absolute flamethrower still. Like, his most heat check shot was probably, uh, I think, in the fourth quarter, where Thanasis has got an offensive rebound. There we go. He's sort of like, Chris wanted the ball. This was funny. And then Thanasis is sort of like, calm down, calm down. I got this. <laughs> and then he just, he whips it cross court to Bryn Forbes, who like comes off a curl. And instead of passing out, because he couldn't hit a three, who just sort of like meanders into like a long two and it somehow goes in. He was like, well, I have the ball. I guess I have to shoot now. So <laughs> the rules. That happened. And it went in. It went in. That was, that was probably my favorite possession of the game. But that was probably the most heat check Bryn Forbes shot we had, and it was just it, he's he's unbelievable. Like I shorted him again. I don't Shouldn't think it's going to pan out again. Nope. It, there's got to be a point right where this becomes unsustainable. He's going to have some bad games. I think really he's such a rhythmic player. I think even more than some of the other. I think Chris kind of gets like this sometimes, less so recently. But I think Bryn Forbes really like. Mostly just for being hot. Like, when Bryn Forbes is hot, Bryn Forbes is hot, hot. Five for nine from deep, three for four from two, which is a good two-point shooting night for Bryn Forbes. I feel like he's really mastering that, like, get closed out on too hard, drive the lane, and then, like, kind of a almost 
almost underhanded floater off the backboard. Like, I, I like those a lot from him. I like them better than his pull-up twos, although, again, he was making those like you mentioned. Um, but he's just he knows how to get open. The Bucks really enjoy finding him because you know it's probably going to be an assist before this game where, again, more than 50% from deep. He came in shooting 46.4% from three this season, an absolute marksman. You want to hear a fun Bryn Forbes stat? Always. Someone on Twitter, again, I'm sorry, I forget who, was concerned. Like, is this fool's gold? Is he not going to be reliable when it matters the most? All this. In the one playoff series when he was a starter in the Spurs, for the Spurs, 48.4% from three in that seven game. Wasn't that you who tweeted that? Yeah, it was me. Well, someone someone said it was unsustainable, so that tweeted the stat. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't forget that I tweeted <laughs> I it. Like, I forgot who tweeted that he no. was 48.5%. Um, he also shot 48% from two, which is not ideal. Um, on Yeah, hey, you want him shooting more threes. You do. And, and I feel like without going back and watching every possession, there was probably a decent amount of these long twos worked in there as well. And 48% on long twos is actually pretty good. It's just still not a super efficient shot. But I just I, – I don't know how much we can say I'm all about it, but I'm, I'm all about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just – it's weird to have someone on this team, I will say, who is capable of just shooting the lights out like this. I think that's yeah. maybe because I'm just I'm used to being hurt by this team and its shooters that I just don't want to believe that this Bryn Forbes thing is going to crash and burn. But it's probably not going to crash and burn at this point. If anything, he's just regressing to the mean from what he shot earlier this season. Uh, I think it was Adam Capel on Twitter, a great follow. We've talked about him before, who was talking about how this is more of a this is more of what Bryn is close to looking like rather than what early season Bryn looked like. Yeah. So it's, if there's anything, he's just regressing in a positive way. Like it's a positive residual rather than a negative. The difference between Bryn Forbes and threes attempted per 36 and number two in rotation players, who's actually DJ Augustine for how many he passes up. If he took all his open threes, he'd probably be tied with Bryn. Um, but Bryn attempts 8.5 per 36. DJ Augustine attempts 6.8. So that's a 1.7 difference. That's the difference between DJ Augustine and Sam Merrill. Uh, his, he's not really in the rotation. It's a little bit more than the difference between Augustine and Drew Holiday. And Drew is, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7th in threes attempted per 36 uh, among rotation players. So, is like a gulf between how many shots he gets up and the rest of the guys who actually play. Fun small sample size thing. There is a player on the Bucks with more attempted threes per 36 than Drew Holiday. Do you want to guess who that is? Than Drew Holiday? Oh, sorry, than Bryn Forbes. Is it... Is it Chris? No, no, no. It's small. So Bryn is number one. So it's only... Oh, small a, sample Small size. sample small size. size. Yeah, it's a small... The person above him is very small sample. Less than 100 minutes. Is it Jordan Wara? No, he is just below. He's he uh, would be dang. he would be third. He is third if you count everyone. DJ Wilson. Really? Okay. Garbage time, Dirk baby, getting those shots up. Eight point eight per thirty six. Just pulling the trigger. Thirty four percent. Garbage time, Dirk. Thirty four percent. So he's not really Dirk, but aspirationally he's Dirk. <laughs> 14 and 8 per 36 for DJ Wilson. DJ Wilson is going to accrue stats one way or another. They might not be yeah. helpful, but he's going to accrue stats. Well, we don't know that yet, realistically. Somehow we still don't know if DJ Wilson is a good player or not, even this is, what, year four? 
Yeah, this, this is, is four. He's a future rocket. I I can feel it. Yeah. Did you see that? Uh, did you see uh, who recommended Sterling Brown to the Rockets front office? I I saw this, but I forgot. Darvin Ham. <sighs> That's what Stephen Silas said. He said Darvin yeah, Ham told I, him to go I, get I Sterling this. Brown. There's an alternate universe where Sterling Brown shooting 50% from deep on the Darvin Ham coach Bucks. I'm closing my eyes and imagining that reality right I'm now. I'm just I'm looking in the camera like Jim Halpert. It's beautiful. Thank you. Let's talk about Chris. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I just said thank you. Let's talk about and really it's an all-star conversation, but I think most of our relevant part of it is going to be about Chris. Sources. Yeah. Uh, I'll, go for it, go for I'll it. intro it, then I'll, I'll throw to you. Behind the curtain, a little, little peek. Sources, 2021 NBA All-Star Reserve. Shams came out of nowhere with this, by the way. West, whatever. Woj is washed. Yeah, Woj is done. Woj, yeah. The big Brook Lopez hours. Um, East, James Harden, Julius Randle, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Zach Levine, Ben Simmons, Nikola Vucevic. Excuse me, Vucevic. Kind of stumbled through it. Those are the East Reserves. Notably, no Chris Middleton, no Drew Holiday felt obvious given the He didn't COVID even make thing. Shams a scrubs, or so snubs. His snubs. <laughs> scrubs. Um, that felt like a big agent favor thing to me. Um, DeMar DeRozan and Tobias Harris making it uh, was interesting. Shams is snubs. DeMar has been balling, though. DeMar's DeMar has been great. is a worthy it's, candidate. No one gets that fired up about San Antonio Spurs player DeMar DeRozan not making uh, – I digress. Let me not let me not take unnecessary shots. I like DeMar. I wish he was a buck this year. Um, Chris didn't make it. He did not. Chris Middleton, not an all-star. Jordan Tresky, good, great friend of the butt, was tweeting about how this was probably the, the year that the buck streak would have ended for two bucks making the all-star team for three straight years. That did not happen. It, it hasn't that, yet. There's still injury replacement possibility. Who's injured on the East team? Well, I mean, like, there's a. I think there's a solid chance one of KD or Embiid don't play in this game. Yeah, that's fair, but we've also seen them go, people go and not play, like Jimmy Butler famously that's did true. a few years ago. I mean, there might be, like, ten guys who don't go to the game based on it sounds like no one really wants to go. It's going to be super interesting to see if the NBA tries to force guys to go to this game because I, I do feel like – Oh, I'm sure they will. They I, I think they will try. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it, but we'll see. Um, you know, LeBron has said he wouldn't do, like, the last three different iterations of the NBA and then ended up doing it. So I, I do think we're going to see a game and probably most people play, but – there's a chance there's an, there's an injury replacement, at least. Um, I, I'm not holding my breath, even if there is one. Given Shams' you know, list of snubs, Chris didn't even make that. You know, what are, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on Chris? I want to go last. What are your thoughts on Chris not making it? It hurts. It really does. Yeah, I agree. Especially because he has... The I don't want to get into the debate of what defines an all-star. That's just yeah, consumed it's Twitter. It's, it's Maja is going it's, to war right now. It's whatever someone <laughs> thinks an all-star is. It's really that simple. Yeah. But he has made the all-star team the previous two years. He has been a, like I said, two-time all-star. Right? Two-time? Yep. Yeah. He's putting up the same level of production in terms of actual counting stats. At least, at least the same amount, while also adding to his game 
I will admit, the East was crowded this year. When we did our All-Star pod, it was really difficult. It was really difficult to decide who's making the team, who's not making the team, because the East was actually loaded this year. However, Chris Middleton is an elite basketball player, and I will say, the argument is always for All-Star. you got to kick someone off. Get Ben Simmons off that team. Get Ben Simmons off that team. He has not even been the 76ers' second best player this year. He has been lately. He has been lately. Lately. This season. This season. Yeah. Tobias has been really good. Tobias has been. Somebody told me. Tobias has been the second best player. Some somebody told me I don't I don't see Tobias's case. It's basically twenty eight and about three and a half assists on just under fifty forty ninety shooting, and he's under the the free throw the part nobody really cares that much about. He's got the fifty and forty part down. Tobias has been really really good. I don't want to talk that much about Tobias Harris, um, a, a snub according to Shams Trania and whatever agent reps Tobias Harris. Here's the thing, I totally I, I agree that on the season as a whole. Chris is matching or exceeding his level of play from last season's where he was an all-star. That just doesn't mean anything in, in a different class. Like, I just I, – I think it's not that related to if he's an all-star or not. And I do – it's tough for him. I think he played his way out of it. I really do. I see, you know, the whole small market thing. Yada, yada. I don't think that mattered for this at all. Like, the majority of coaches who pick these guys are small market coaches. I don't think James Borrego is like – I need to do something for ratings. I don't think that was the influence here. I, I just, I don't buy it. I don't think that was it. Um, you know, I, I was listening, I listened to it late. Zach Lowe and I think Kevin Arnovitz did an all-star mm. East pod. And Lowe didn't have Middleton as a lock, but Arnovitz kind of bullied him into doing it. Arnovitz was like, he's a lock beyond belief. And I just think that changed. And I don't, part of it is a bunch of players playing really, really well. Like, I'm just super happy for Julius Randle, actually. Like, I think he's had a fantastic season. I think he deserves it. I think he deserves it. I I agree with Simmons. I think he's the guy I would knock off. I also think Vucevic probably shouldn't have made it. But even if – I mean, okay, I've I've changed my opinion on Vucevic. I kind of – I was mean to him when we did our All-Star, but he has been carrying that Orlando Magic team to any semblance of competence uh, on a basketball court. But, like, I think Sabonis has, like, just been a better Vucevic in a lot of areas. I think it's close. I think you can go either way. But, like, it was such a deep field. It was, I mean, we didn't even, Gordon Hayward didn't make it. Jeremy Grant, I feel like, stopped you even being considered after a while. And he had a tremendous season. Like, there's a lot of good players in the East. But I really think, I don't think it's that. I don't think that's the reason ultimately Chris didn't make it. I think Chris is the reason Chris ultimately didn't make it. So, after the great Denver game, Chris Middleton um, I just look at the box score. He scores 29 in that game. He scored less than 20, more than he scored 20 since then, including back-to-back 11 and 13 against Toronto. And those are the games that everyone is – It's oh, are we going to discount his whole season because of two games? We shouldn't, but I kind of get why – There is recency bias in the voting. There, there the is voting recent. was yesterday. Are you I telling believe. me we don't base this off the playoffs in last season too? Have you seen that on Twitter? Oh, it's freaking yeah. Hilarious. It's, uh, what was it? Uh, Kurt Helen, I think. Yeah. 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 It, yeah like I was saying, Maggio's going to war. Yeah. Um, it's Listen, people have good reason of, of going to war sometimes. Um, but it's not just two games. And I do think, like, it's not fair, but I kind of get it if, like, the two games are that bad and that close. Like, it's just really bad timing to have those two absolute pumpkin performances. But, you know, he shot – 41% and scored 18 against Phoenix, 42% and 18 against Utah, 
pretty good game against OKC. The two horrible Toronto games, 38% in his 20-point outing against Oklahoma City. He has a good game against the Kings. They're literally the worst defense in the NBA by a mile. They're terrible. They, I think, I forget who it was, maybe Haverstrow that tweeted, whoever the best, or no, it wasn't Haverstrow, I forget who it was, but whoever the best offense is, is like if you play the Kings, you're the best offense. That's how bad their defensive rating is. And then against the Timberwolves tonight, and this game didn't even count, that it was already picked, but six for 19 from the field, 15 points. Like he hasn't played that well for the last couple weeks now. It's a bad time to have this slump. But he has had this slump, and with the field this competitive, I like I, I couldn't get that upset about it. Like I really couldn't. Like Zach Levine's putting up twenty nine and like six assists a night. And listen, the team stinks, and he's not great on defense. Chris hasn't been that great on defense that yep. year this year either. I just Zach I Levine has taken a leap. Zach, Zach Levine, Levine has, has taken definitely taken Zach a leap. Levine, yeah. So again, you know, everyone, you should know. If I'm sure, I'm going to get people. You know, Bucks fans. That this guy hates Chris Middleton. Hilarious take. Yeah, hilarious. That's, that's, take. An, that's an. If you think after listening to this podcast that we hate Chris Middleton, it's gonna happen. Just listen to literally any other episode of this podcast. <laughs> like a week ago, and like all the times we said he's taking a leap, and it seemed like he had. It, he's regressed, and you know, there's a lot of reasons. I want to. We'll, I'm sure we'll dive into it more. Hopefully, he plays better, and we can look at it as a temporary aberration. But he's just he fell off a little bit, and that, it was enough to take him from lock or very close to a lock in this East to like really up for debate with a lot of guys. I mean, like Fred Van Vliet, no Miami Heat players made it. Like it was a crazy field, and the way Chris has been playing, I don't think it was an egregious snub. Yeah, I will say I won't argue that it's an egregious snub. It's fair. It's I would totally have liked fair. Chris to be an all-star, to be clear. Yes. I, I think that would yeah. have been an enjoyable thing for me. I just, I see the vision. Yeah. I just, it's the Ben Simmons thing that bothers me. Yeah. It really is. But, I mean, like, if Simmons doesn't make it, Trey Young, Fred Van Vliet, Bam Adebayo, DeMontis Sabonis, Malcolm Brogdon, Jimmy Butler, all guys who didn't make it. Yeah, I mean to be fair, Jimmy has not played many games he hasn't uh, played as many. because of his not because of his own doing, right? Because right. you know COVID. <laughs> yeah, and I think that that was. I, and I saw another like Jimmy and and KD have played roughly the same. So if KD can, uh, one's KD. It's yeah, different one rules. is <laughs> one is rules. The, one's the captain. If KD shows up and he's starting the game, like it's like Kyrie, the funniest thing about it to me is the, how the Nets teammates are spread out on the team. The fact that Harden is coming off the bench, but Kyrie is starting the game will always be funny to me. Because Kyrie's a great player. Harden's clearly better. He might be an MVP candidate right now based on how good they've been without KD for an extended stretch. And it's just hilarious to me. And I get why, you know, that they wanted to ding Harden for demanding out and everything. Not enough to leave him off the team, but to not have him be a starter. But it's, it's so also, silly. Yeah, fan votes. Kyrie yeah, I mean, yeah, fan votes too. Everyone loves Kyrie, and and well, you Harden just lost out because he probably had some Houston votes before he got traded, or maybe it wasn't open yet. I don't know. It wasn't open before he got traded. Never mind on that then. But yeah, I think he just took a hit for that, and Kyrie's immensely popular. But it, nonetheless, it's just I, I get it. It's just funny to me. Oh yeah, it it is very funny. Uh, at least hey, all three of them made it. But yeah, I don't know. It's just. I really wish Chris would have made it. I feel yeah. like it would have done something for Chris too. It would have maybe gotten him out of the slump because he's one of those players that sort of reacts well to, you know, accomplishment and like 
uh, sort of recognition, I should say, uh, for his skills. And you sort of, you, you could see like, oh, maybe Chris was going to go out here and get a revenge game against the Timberwolves, right? Didn't happen. They ran the the first play was run for him, and yep. he, he missed, and it it wasn't it wasn't great from there. He, he hit a couple threes in guys' eyes that felt good. It felt good to see him hit those shots again, but. It was really, an, again, just an inconsistent performance for him. I and mean, we talked about the Bucks' weird shot diets. I mean, he, you know, he actually shot quite a bit tonight, but um, they just they didn't go in. Except three for six on threes, three for 13 on everything else, which against the Wolves is not great. It's really not, especially, like, yeah, against the Wolves, not great. You should be able to use these games as sort of tune-up games to sort yeah. of not only just pad your stats, but like you know try to try to figure things out. And not a lot really got figured out there. No, and it's like he's still contributing other things that he's been contributing. He's had good assist numbers. I'll, I'll give him credit for that. But you know, I just think he he picked a terrible time to have one of the worst extended prolonged slumps we've seen from him in years, I would say. I don't remember seeing anything like this last season, at least. Um, and it's really a bummer because it did feel like he had turned that corner and kind of become a little slump-proof, and apparently not. Yeah. Uh, this might just be the Chris Middleton experience at this point. It's, you know, people are going to get upset at that take, but I think to be realistic, I mean, you mentioned it, what was it, our last our last weekly pod? I don't know if it was the stock market or what it was. It, it's, there's been enough of these moments that I can't remember which pod it was. But, you know, it's kind of like this is the biggest criticism, right, like of Chris Middleton that, you know, the the stats are great. Then they are. They're literally great. 50, 40, 90, 20 points a game. They're awesome. 20 points a game, by the way. I, for people who diminish it and uh, diminish points per game entirely, I don't think you should diminish it entirely. Like, there's a golf in actual utility between 27 and 20 points a game. Like 27 is much more impressive. Like there, there, it just, there just is. And I know per 36, blah, blah, blah. It's different. It, it, it is different. It's in one game. Like it, it's, it, it's just a whole other thing. I don't want to get too far down the road on, but the, the whole, the whole criticism, right. was like, he's, he'll just randomly go far too quiet for a guy who most of the time is the number two and really needs to be the number two. I mean, with Drew, it's it's a little more of an interesting conversation. But the last two years, it was, you know, it's this for one year, Malcolm Brogdon, but otherwise, like, Eric Bledsoe, which we all saw how that went. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just disappointing to see the same sort of tropes come up year in and then year out. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I can really say. <laughs> it is. It just is. And it's, again, it's, it's, somewhat reminiscent of the feeling about Bud of like there's always going to be that kind of little nagging concern going forward. And I know Chris has had playoff moments, but two years ago, 15 point per game player in the playoffs this past year, 18 point per game player in the playoffs. It's has had quiet moments throughout. He's every had run. quiet moments, but he's also had massive moments. Yes. 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 But I would prefer a little bit of a balance. Give me 20 or 21 a night and not 11, 11, 35, you know, 20. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's like, a, it's a much bigger issue in seven-game series. Like, do what – take my the Miami series, for instance. Do what you did in game five, like, across the entire series, and the Bucks are probably in that series. Yeah. I mean, the the Toronto series, I, I, whichever one it was, you know, he – 
he goes crazy in a game that they either win or lose huge, and then in the tightest game of the series, he's got like 11 points. And it's just like, and that's the difference. That's I mean, that's and people laugh at and ridicule, you know, the idea of like a Zach Levine being more helpful. And we haven't Zach Levine in the playoffs is kind of an unknown quantity, but the idea of these guys who night in night out, the Bradley Beal is like a way better example of this will get you the high 20 points pretty much no matter what, bar none. And they're going to do it without any help, off the dribble, everything else. You know, Chris has gotten here, here and there, but not consistently clearly done it. I don't think it's an idea that should be laughed at. I think there's something to that concept. Yeah, it really is. Also, just a quick tangent. We were talking about, like, late development. Can we talk about Bradley Beal for a second? Like, my goodness. we Remember when the discourse around him was, was he worth a max contract? <laughs> yeah. When he, he was too injury prone? Yeah, oh, yeah. I, f- I forgot he was an injury prone labeled guy. It's like, oh, is the giving, uh, giving a max contract to this injury uh, prone guy really worth it? Bradley Beal, the last four years. So his first all-star year. when he's, tw- he's 24 years old, and we're putting a ceiling on the guy. Plays all 82 that year. 22 points per game. Good player. An all-star. It can shoot threes. He actually has not shot threes that well since, but it's because of the volume. His points per game progression, 22, 25, 30, just under 33. And I just, again, Leading like, the league in scoring this year. It's, it's, you know, there are some people who will only look at points per game, and that's not good. But, like, 33 points per game. It's still worth something. It's tremendous. It's not the end-all, be-all, but it's still important. It's tremendous, like... You can talk about efficiency and everything all you want. And those things, again, they're not unimportant. But, like, efficiency does not get you enough points to win games. Like, at the end of the day, you need to outscore the other team. And if you can't extrapolate up from the 20 points consistently, the 33 is just going to be worth more. It, it's it's a bigger exactly. number. Again, this yep, is on the, exactly. level, on the level of my DJ Augustine is not Giannis take. 33 is a bigger number than 20. Uh, science. Science. <laughs> Scientifically proved. But yeah, that's just, that's, Chris needs to figure that out. This is the opportunity for him to figure that out. This problem is right now. It I is think- right now. He needs to. We've seen, he sort of took over the playmaking a little bit, and then it sort of fell off. At least, you know, Giannis is on this team to sort of be like, okay, yeah, you're not doing it. Okay, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to be a like a ball. I'm gonna I'm gonna be an MVP type player again. So at least there's that. At least Chris is not asked to be the number one on this team, and that that's something that we talked about earlier in the season. Is Chris the number one on this team now? I don't think that's that's dead. It's not. That's dead. That's that dead. can't be the case. But do you know when he, he needs to be the number two when Giannis isn't out, or number one? Excuse me, when Giannis isn't out there. And I think that might be the most frustrating thing to me about the Chris Middleton experience is we'll see possession after possession of. Pat Cotted and driving and DJ Augustine and I mean Bobby Porter shooting is fine but like there'll be five straight possessions where he barely touches the ball in the non-Giannis minutes and with Drew Holiday out that's really that's like you can be the number two and still be a ball dominant player in a lot of your minutes just by like oh if Giannis is not here I'm gonna like have five straight shooting or passing possessions like I'm gonna dominate the ball for a little while we don't see enough of that and I think part of that is a Bucks thing and part of that is a Chris thing and it's really hard to divorce the two yeah it really is hopefully hopefully they can figure this out also I miss Drew I really miss Drew soon hashtag soon we need it we need Drew Holiday probably like we said probably after the all-star break 
We've seen that sort of thing with Bucks injuries in the past. You know what's wild? I'm knocking on wood as I say this. I haven't seen a major Bucks injury in a couple of years now. Yeah. Um, Chris? Yeah. Brogdon? I think it was. Yeah, since Brogdon. Brogdon missed a lot of time. Chris with the uh, freak torn hamstring. That was several years ago. I think Brogdon's probably the most recent now. But we've seen this sort of thing with Bucks players returning near the All Star break. They usually just wait till after. Yeah. Which I mean, yeah, it's it's that's fair. It, that's the safer option. That's yeah. the most. It's it's the option that you should probably lean to. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. There's no reason to get risky with this. Hey, and also congratulations to Drew, co-recipient of the NBA Cares Award for January, doing great work in the city of Milwaukee, partnering with local black businesses. Just fantastic work as always. Did, the holidays are just incredible. Didn't he give away all of his bubble salary, and he's he giving did. away a ton of his paychecks this year too? Yes, he is. That's just true. We don't talk about that kind of stuff on the podcast enough. Like that's why I wanted to bring it up. Yeah, that's a great call. Um, it, you just you quite literally, without any irony or sarcasm, love to see it. No, you really do. Just genuine, actual activism in the yeah. city, and it's great. It's fantastic. Keep it up, MVP, MVP of life, as uh, uh, Giannis and his brothers will say. That's what that's what Drew Holiday that's is awesome. sort of doing right now. I think, like, there's a lot of and ways. And Lauren. Sorry, Drew and Lauren. Drew and Lauren, Pardon. for sure. Yep. For sure. Great call out. Um, there's a lot of things you can do, like, without spending money to, to help people in the community and yep. be active. But, I mean, that's just this capitalist society we live in, baby. Like, the dollars do things. The do- And what if is- you have the dollars and you're doing something about it, that's great. It's exactly. So it's, you know, if you got the dollars, you might as well use the dollars to do something good. I think it's the Wolf of Wall Street quote, you can save the spotted owl with money. And it's true. It's true. It's it's a messed up thing, but it's true. So it's awesome to see Drew Holiday doing that. I hope, you know, I hope he, he gets kind of the rest of the team involved. You know who's awesome at, at initiatives like this is Larry Nance. Every game, yes. Larry Nance auctions off his game-worn jersey and gives the proceeds to a local Cleveland business. Would love he to see that. He also wears their uh, oh, wears yeah. a shirt with their uh, a different uh, local that's right. business that's what he as does. his walk-in. It's so cool. Like, that's, that's really, really cool. It's the kind of thing that, one – makes a player a legend in the city, and he already kind of was with Larry Nance Sr., but for his own merits, I think Larry Nance Jr. is going to be a Cav for a long, long time. Of course. A staple in the city of Cleveland for even longer, which I always think stuff like that is cool, and it makes such a huge difference. And, you know, people are hurting, businesses are hurting still, even as, you know, we're getting toward the end of COVID, keep that mask on, but we're getting there, we're getting it's people still need some help, so it's awesome to see Drew Holiday. And uh, there's plenty of other Bucks uh, charitable initiatives. I know Bud is, I think, for every three or every assist or something, Bud donates a meal to to feeding America, or feeding Milwaukee. That mm-hmm. uh, deserves shouting out too, even though we'll have disagreements on coaching. Yeah. You course. love to see that. There, there's other aspects, but yeah, we'll have to shout those out more. That was a great mm-hmm. call by you. Hey, I just you know, if someone's doing good, I want them to get recognized for it. Just like Chris should have been an all-star. Bringing it back. We love it. We love to see it. Uh, do you, are, you, do you, are you ready? Do you love to see a choose-your-fighter? I do love to see a choose-your-fighter. I'm giving you an, a Bucks one for once. So the folks who Ooh. don't like the non-basketball content are going to be all in this whole hour-and-a-half podcast. Okay. If one of the rookies could actually get rotational run 
for, we'll say, a month, whatever. For probably not the whole season, you don't want to guarantee that, but for a, a, a good sample size. So we actually find out what we got. Are you taking Jordan Wara, Sam Merrill, who played in this game, or Mamadi Diakite? I think I will say third on that list for me is Sam Merrill. Ooh, okay. Even though he's proven more than Jordan Wara that he's more of a capable shooter, I think Wara has proven he can do other things more than Sam Merrill can. Again, small sample size for both. They're both uh, rookies. One of them uh, was literally the last pick in the draft. Uh, <laughs> but, hey, that's no shot. We've seen undrafted players, you know, blossom. Like Fred Van Vliet we were talking about as an all-star. Like, yeah. <laughs> um but unfortunately, I think Sam Merrill, based on what we've seen so far, is probably going to be third for me on that list. Well, I think just to compound that, he's also like the least position to need. The Bucks have enough small guards and yep. like def- defensively deficient smaller guards. So I think I agree with you, but go on. Wara might be the most realistic shot at something, at something popping. However, <laughs> Let's go. I don't. I might be buying into the hype a little bit here. Let's go. It's this might be. Oh my god! Let's go! Come yeah, on, Diakite, man. Diakite Hive. Let's go. He's what he's doing in the G League bubble is just unfathomable. It really is. I'm not he, writing it off like I did Christian Wood. I refuse to. That's what I was thinking. Like, oh, is it a guy putting up, like, uh, alpha numbers when he's not going to be an alpha in the NBA? But then look at what Christian Wood has actually become in the NBA. Yeah. Like, he was an actual all-star candidate this year in the West. He didn't make it, but he was still, like, a candidate. He's West Matthews Memorial candidate. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> So I can't, like you're saying, we can't write that off as saying, oh, it could be like Christian Wood. Christian Wood worked out. This can't happen again to Milwaukee, man. It can't happen again. I'm no. going to go with Diakite. I'm going with Diakite for sure. I have the same order as you. War intrigues me too. Um, I, I need some Diakite Bucks minutes, man. I just need it. We've seen how huge it is for Giannis to play with another mobile big guy who's a little springy. We've seen what an impossible situation that puts defenses in. I don't just want Diakite minutes. I want to see some Diakite Giannis against teams and just like put Diakite in that spot of being the other, you know, massive big guy threat but not the primary one. I feel like those lineups could be awesome. I think there could be just destroying shots defensively I'd need to see Diakite at this point. We've seen a bit of Wara. I'd like to see some more for sure. I I need I need some Diakite in my life, man. He's like he's I'm a all little in. small. He's he's like six ten, right? Six nine, six ten. I think yeah, around there. And but he just moves so fluidly, so fluidly. It's see, he could either be Thon Maker or Christian Wood. And I'm not sure. That's a gamble. That is a big gamble right there. It is. But I just think that the cost of finding out is so low. Yeah, it really is. Especially because if you wanted to go Giannis at center, 
just put Diakite at the four, and you essentially have, like, interchangeable four fives. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of – it's similar to me to the, the Bobby Portis experience. It really would be. That's a great comp. It's it's sort of like a rangier guy who's sort of – but he's actually more mobile. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and a theoretically a better defender. Diakite in eight games with the Lakeland Magic – in 25 minutes a game, is putting up 16.8 points, 9.5 rebounds, two assists, two blocks, uh, just under two turnovers, shooting 56% from the field and 43% from deep, although he's only taking one three per game about, but also 82% or 81% from free throw. Tearing it up. And I will say, this G League, these teams are actually stacked because there's only like 15 of them or whatever. I was talking with uh, a friend of mine who I watched a lot of G League with in the past in Oshkosh, and there are players who, like, we thought there was going to be a super team this year. I think Delaware had a few former Herd players. Like, they looked like they were going to be a standout team. Then you look around, like, the talent is compressed, but a lot of guys still wanted to play in this bubble. I think the competition is even better than normal in a normal G League It really season. is. It really is. And you plus you get the, the bubble sort of experience there too, yeah. like we saw in the NBA where the gameplay is sort of heightened and turned up because there's no travel or anything. So that plays into it as well. There, It is great competition. It is much better than it usually is. So that, that sort of favors the Diakite sort of I'm hype. I'm in. I just, they got to they gotta do it soon. They really got to do it soon. I Otherwise, it. it's going to be too late. Otherwise, they're going to start ramping up for the playoffs, and then it's yeah. going to be gone. I would love – let's give Brook Lopez a week off. Let's send him to Epcot. Get Diakite Send him to wherever Dirk went. <laughs> I've, oh, like the desert, right? No, not even that. That's oh. when he after he lost in the finals. He went oh. to the Australian Outback. Oh, I, uh, see what, I see what you're talking about. Yeah. The uh, deer antler spray. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that would work as well. That would be a much better trip. We'll uh, see, see how he comes back from that experience. <laughs> oh, brother! Uh, yeah, give him give him a little bit of a week off. Uh, that'd actually be a great idea. Um, just anything for Diakite at this point. Yeah, maybe even. I don't know, man. Just. Bobby Portis a, fell on his elbow in this game, and for a second I was, like, terrified of the thought of not of just having Brooke Lopez at center for, like, a week or whatever if he was dinged. And then I was like, what if, if Diakite gets minutes from this and Bobby recovers fine in, like, a week? There's a Ty, real silver lining out. Ty, that's too far. There's a real silver. I don't want anyone to get hurt ever. Let's be clear. No, I'm not saying that. You're just – you're buying too much into the hype when you're saying that Bobby Portis – Bobby Portis, who's been one of the best players oh, on the team. I'm not saying he'd be better than Bobby Portis. But to, let me be clear. It would just it would just give him a vehicle to play, and we'd actually get minutes. Like, I'm not saying he'd take Bobby Portis' spot. There's another big guy whose spot he might be able to take with an opportunity. Giannis? No. <laughs> no. What if, though? That's... We, I, you all, you break me once upon. Usually it's Ursan. This was a curveball. What if though? Imagine if, if Yadis wins like sixth man of the year because Diakita is now uh, the MVP. I like that in this universe of yours, they don't just start together. I mean, how could you? 
Easily. <laughs> Easily. <laughs> I see the vision. I, I will say. I'm just I really didn't have an answer. <laughs> really did not have an answer to that question. Yeah, uh, of course. <laughs> but yeah, Diakite, Wara. But the thing is, Wara is probably more realistic. Like, there's still Maybe. a little part of my brain that's saying Wara translates better. Maybe. Especially on this team. I'm just gonna keep saying maybe. After after the Christian Wood thing, I I just I need a Diakite example. Is, like the same thing applies though. Christian Wood was never gonna be Christian Wood that he is today on this Bucks team. Probably. Or was he? Probably. I don't think not to the same degree, but I think he would have still been useful. Yeah, he would have still been useful for sure. Still would have definitely been useful. It was still a mistake by Milwaukee. They could have basically had Bobby Portis a year earlier, but his name would have been Christian Wood. Yeah. Or even earlier than that, Dragon Bender. Oh, yeah. Future 15th man, maybe? I hope he's doing well. hope he's staying ready. Um, if, If he's back home, he's as happy as can be. He loves it, man. I think he is. I think he's playing over, like, uh... Yeah, he might not be at his actual... Is Croatian, I want to say? I think. I asked him about it. He likes it better than here. He is Croatian, and he plays... Oh, he plays for uh, Tel Aviv, so he plays for the best team in the Euroleague. (laughs) Is he putting up numbers? Uh, Let's see here. Dragon Bender. Uh, Did you also see what he had to say about the Suns? No, but I'm sure it was hilarious. He hates the Suns, man. Oh yeah, he really does. He was he was firing shots all around. Uh he's averaging oh no. Uh in seven games wait, it says in 2015-16. What on earth? Hold on, I got it here. Five point seven points a game, baby. Oh no. It's not great. Forty three percent from the field, thirty three percent from deep. Oh no. I'm sorry, yeah. Dragon. Well maybe, maybe you can't come home. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> Somehow we're talking hives. about Dragon Bender here. Yeah. Uh, that was exciting for a second when we thought it we was. were on to something. Hey, he was good in his in his time in Milwaukee. I'll say that. He was promising. Here's a signal. He's played 414 minutes this season. Oh. Stay woke. Stay woke. He woke 4-1. That's why he stopped. That's why he's not playing. Is exactly. he not playing right now? I have no idea. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Okay, so since we've reached the uh, Dragon Bender uh, 414 <laughs> the time of the pod, I think we should uh, should wrap this up here. Um, anything else you need to need to hit on here, Ty? I feel like I got everything off my chest already, except okay. this time out with Ty Hoodie. Represent. There you go. There you go. Throwing it back. What a great what a great era. I love the time out with Ty era. I loved being on that pod. Uh, yeah, it was always a great time on that podcast. Oh, yeah. But it is also a great time on the Euro. Who would have thought when we were doing that that we would be doing the Euro stuff together? Who I still thought? think of our, what was it, our halftime shows behind halftime the shows, live yes, on Twitter. Yes, Adam McGee like, engineered a, a way to do that. Before. He was, was so great. nervous to give me the account. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was. But it paid off in the long run. <laughs> now we're here. And I will say thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Eurostep here on the illustrious Blue Wire Podcast Network. If you did enjoy the show, make sure to leave a rating on Apple and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Subscribe on every podcast platform. 
download yes. every single app and subscribe on every single one of them. Cook the Make books. sure it downloads for all of them. Yeah. Yes. Just just cook the books. Cook, cook the, the books, books to up. The Belay the books. Yes, exactly. What Ty said. So uh, make sure you also tell your friends and family about the show. Check out every single podcast across the entire Blue Wire Podcast Network. The Spinsters. Yes. Coming soon. Taylor uh, O'Shaughnessy. Uh, Jordan, Jordan Wiggins. Yeah. So yeah, we'll save it. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll save it. We'll save it. Okay. Yeah. That's going to be coming soon. Make sure to be subscribed. Get ready for that. Uh, for that show to drop. So, uh, you know, check it out. It's going to be fantastic. But I will say stay safe out there, everyone, and we will talk to you next time. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.